Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this episode of TRO Signal, where we try to get inside the heads of a few travel agents each week to find the common elements of the profession, to learn what the actual experience of being a travel professional is all about. Now, naturally, the experience we're all living through right now is a bit different than anything we've previously seen, and all the adjectives in the world, like the much overused word unprecedented, can't really do justice to the Twilight Zone-like environment we're operating in right now. But there's a rumor floating around that a few travel professionals have been using the travel standstill as an opportunity to remake their business, to reevaluate their old way of being, and to transform their travel practice. These agents are, dare I say, finding ways to actually be productive during the time of COVID. So what's that all about? Well, I have four guests on today's episode, and I want to ask them all about the journey they have been on in the past five months, reimagining what their travel practice will look like in the months to come. Now, our show notes are going to give complete details and contact information for our guest. But let me do a brief introduction right now, and I'll ask them to fill in the blanks later on. Okay, our first guest is Natasha Cummings, owner of Beyond Blessed Travels in Fairbanks, Alaska. Natasha, I'm gathering from your bio that you were actually born in St. Vincent and then moved to the United States when you were 15, right? Tell me a little bit about that transition in your life. I moved from, born in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, moved to New York when I was 15, lived there for a couple of years, got married in 96, and then my husband joined the military, and then we moved to Alaska. And we've been here for 18 years now. My husband was prior military army. He got hurt when he was in Iraq, so he got medically retired, and now he works for the correctional department. And we have three boys, and they are all out of the house. I just dropped my youngest one off to college in Arizona. Fairbanks to Phoenix, did you drive? No, we flew. You flew? Okay, I want to talk yeah. to you about that in a few minutes for sure. Okay. Okay, Melissa Mackey from Edmonton. Uh, I am so glad to have a Canadian on board with us. Melissa, I've known you for some time. I, I, you're an international speaker. You're CEO of Travel Chicks. And I can assure you that at some point or another, I'm going to ask you to guest host this podcast for me. I'm just warning you in advance. So let me ask you a little bit about travel right now and what the Canadian market might look like. Well, it is a very interesting landscape, to say the least, especially with the news that was released, I would say, maybe two to three weeks ago, where one of our main tour operators has decided to close all southern borders, which is massive market in Canada. All-inclusive vacations for Canadians is, is what people flock to towards winter. And right now... Well, with one of the operators completely shutting that down, it's been interesting. We have uh, Shelly Morris with us, and Shelly is the owner of Horizon Vacations just outside of Fort Worth, Texas. Shelly, you've been in business for more than 20 years. Tell us a little bit about your practice. 
I opened my agency in 2007, Horizon Vacations, after working um, for other agencies. I was in storefront offices for a while. I had a few years in corporate travel. I, after 9-11, after getting laid off uh, from the travel agency, I worked as a sales director at a hotel, a local hotel for a little while. So I have a little bit of experience on the hotel side too, which is great because we often don't understand that from our viewpoint being a travel agent. But it was quite fun, I think, being on the hotel side of things. It was very brief though. It was only about six or eight months. And then I went back to doing leisure when things picked up after 9-11. And that's what I've been doing ever since. But after a couple of ownership changes in 2006, I decided to open my own agency. Uh, I was working for an agency that was in the northern part of the United States, and it wasn't good for my clients because their documents would sit up there for a little while before they'd make it down here. (laughs) And so I kind of felt forced to start my agency. I I don't know that it was something that I dreamed of doing. I just up and did it one day. And and so that's what I've been doing since 2007. Now, you know, it is always interesting to hear how people fell into becoming a travel professional. And of course, especially when we're talking about people who jump from brick and mortar to owning and operating their own business. And finally, let me welcome Loretta Lambreth. Uh, Loretta, you're a member of Take Time to Travel, an independent contractor for them, I understand. And you live just north of Atlanta. And uh, apparently you had a life before you were a travel professional. You were a dental hygienist. Is that correct? I mean, what? tell me about that transition. I I am by education and uh, licensure. I am a registered dental hygienist since 94, maybe. Um, I'm an outside agent, but they are a brick and mortar in our town. And uh, and I've been with them since 2017. Came into travel as a big time DIYer, which, you know, the bane of our existence right now is what I started as. And when I evolved over 10 years of travel around Europe, and you throw a little midlife crisis in there and, and, um, and with your job, you know, it's like, I'm making a change. I made a change. And in two, that's what I've done since 2005. It's stuck. Sometimes I think I have a little different approach maybe than somebody who's never done anything but, but it works. Okay, so let's think for a moment. Now, entrepreneurs often get tagged with the assumption that they work too much in their business as opposed to working on their business. And what I'm really interested in right now is this whole concept of working on your business. How have we been using the standstill as an opportunity? You know, even as I say that, and I know you feel some of this too, that this has been a very difficult time to be productive in. I know my own attention span has definitely been impaired by the standstill. And the fact of the matter is we may never have a better opportunity in many ways to focus on remaking ourselves of re-envisioning the way we are working our travel practices. And so if you're giving yourself a grade, tell me what kind of grade I would put on your report card right now for your productivity. How would you grade your productivity over the last five months? Have you managed to stay productive? How have you managed to focus when it can be so difficult to gather all your thoughts to one point to concentrate on a project? How have you managed to do that? What about you, Natasha? Um, for me, I will say I'll give myself like a B minus. I've, I've used this time to train up on 
uh, refresh on my niche, which is cruising, because I love cruising. And at the same time, I, you know, my clientele, I thought that, you know, it would have been going downhill because a lot of people don't want to travel. But I had a cruise that was supposed to sail in June and I postponed it to May next year and everybody was on board. Didn't know one canceled, which was great. And then I end up getting a client that I'm doing a wedding for in February next year. So, you know, working and getting new clients in and getting referrals and stuff. But I just use this downtime just to train and to market myself a little bit more. So then when the boom of travel picked up is like, I am not like now trying to get in front of my clients. So I still continue, you know, to put stuff out on Facebook and market and stuff like that. So people know that I'm still there, not waiting until everything picks back up to be like, hey, here I am. No. So that's what I've been doing, using this downtime to market and brand myself and just get some more certifications. Well, absolutely. And one of the things I tell travel professionals I work with all the time is that it's really, really important just to keep the lights on. You know, people have to know you're still out there. Shelly? Tell me about your efforts. What kind of grade would you give yourself for your productivity over the time of the pandemic? I would give myself an A plus. I, I tend to good for you. Anyways, <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's not hard for me to work. I'm very dedicated to my job, so um, I'm dedicated to my clients. So. Uh, it, it, what's interesting since this all started, uh, all of the trips that I've planned for 18 months started unraveling in March, late February, really, uh, because I do a lot of Europe, like Loretta. Um, the, uh, the the number one thing that, that we started with was canceling all of those trips and requesting refunds. Um, I created a, a spreadsheet to keep up with them because it got overwhelming, actually, by April or May. I, I really didn't know who I had done what for. So uh, it, it really wasn't hard those first few months of just staying on track with the refunds and cancellations. Of course, those continued through the summer, which in Texas, that's our busiest uh, season for traveling to the beach. Um, I guess we're getting away from our 100 degree temperatures and going to where it's cooler in the 80s and 90s. But um, so now that... Uh, I canceled most of the trips that I had booked for 2020 and um, I've rescheduled a lot of them for 2021. Um, I stay busy. I mean, there were some weeks where I worked 40 plus hours a week. There were some weeks I worked 15 hours a week. Uh, Way way to to make everyone else feel bad. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's just I'm dedicated. That's that's what I do. (laughs) Okay, Loretta. So now tell us what kind of grades you're going to give yourself. I'm, I'm going to fall into just a straight out B, straight out B. I've, I've kept in touch with my clients a lot, and, and we may end up talking about that. Or I, maybe not a lot, but I, what I think is enough. But um, in terms of productivity, yes, in the beginning, it was full stop. We've got to cancel this. We're waiting for the next domino to fall because... Our head was on permanent swivel for weeks upon weeks, and and you you know it was it was an entirely different version of wave season. So it's when I got through the cancellations, um, the postponements, or just the promises of postponement. Got a lot more promises than rebookings, honestly, at this point. But everybody's just willing to kind of sit and wait and see what happens. Uh, and as soon as they get a sense of it. I know they're going to jump on it, but uh, 
you know, a, a good bit of staying in touch, a good bit of getting up every day and going to the desk. There hasn't been a day that I haven't been at my desk, you know, even if it's just planning my social media for the next two weeks, you know, or working on a social media project for the next two weeks or the whole rebranding, reimagining thing that I've gone through in the last few months. Melissa Mackey. Now, I have trouble believing that you've ever been anything but productive. You always have that little jet stream off of you all the time. So how do you know what kind of grade to give yourself? How have you been productive and, and give yourself a grade? Okay, so here's, here's, here's the truth. March 9th and March 10th, I spoke at uh, Western Canada's uh, travel marketplace. So we were on fire, March 9th and March 10th. That was two days before live events came to a screeching halt as well as travel. So I was like on a high. I was on an absolute high. I, my team came with me to the conference. It was incredible. Everyone's vibration was was high. And so I would grade myself 100% because I came out of that event riding this high. My team was energized because they just heard you know, 20, 30, 40 year plus veterans in the travel industry and how we've overcome and conquered all of these H1N1 SARS, like the whole gamut of things. And, uh, and then I went on training agents. So I created masterminds that would help agents stay in the game, keep their head you know, above the water. And then I got to be honest, I fell down to a 60. <laughs> I totally get it. I've discovered that I'm not a linear thinker. I've always really known that, but it's been exacerbated during the COVID scenario. My mind works in circles and this is a time when you really have to focus to get things done. And well, basically all of you just made me feel bad. <laughs> so, so let's talk about, um, Melissa, how do you stay in touch with your clients during this time? What do you do to stay in touch? How do you reach out and let them know the lights are still on? So our, our biggest, uh, I guess, client engagement has been Facebook and Instagram. So we pre-scheduled all of our posts for, you know, four months. I think we're running out at the end of August. So we're going to repost, you know, for four months of social media. But our other thing has been emails. It hasn't been the ideal, uh, I, I guess you'll say booking, because there is so much fear, you know, in the industry right now. And also for Canadians, which I'm sure other parts of the world, is that people have two-week vacation time. And um, you know, once they arrive into the destination country, they have to self-quarantine. So it's been really cool because we've seen the emails that we shoot out. We are focusing more on local things, activities, hotels, stuff to see and do here in Canada. And I can tell you, our national parks and our mountains and our, our, you know, Rocky, Rocky Mountain adventures, they have definitely seen an increase this year as opposed to, you know, flying to a destination. And so email marketing and social media has been huge. I am hearing from lots of agents right now who indicate that social media is taking on a really new prominence in all of their marketing efforts. So Loretta, how have you stayed in touch with your clients? 
What have you done to reach out to them to stay top of mind? It's been, I guess maybe you call it a three-prong approach. I've sent uh, a wide email uh, kind of in the beginning. Uh, There's social media, and then I've had two mailings, actual put a stamp on it, put it in the mailbox kind of effort to um, not promote travel, but just to remind them that I'm here. The first email that went out probably the third week in April when I still, I mean, I was probably like many of us, massively depressed. I think I cried every day, but I I still wanted a glimmer of hope and I was naive enough to think that this might just be under control and out of the picture by June. So my idea was to tell everybody, just hold on. Let's not just rush to judgment and cancel everything blindly. We need to wait and see what's going to happen. We need the suppliers to speak out and tell us what's going to happen. We just don't do a preemptive strike and wipe everything away. But I wanted, I just sent an email of hope and patience and, you know, be well. In my marketing plan for 2020 anyway, I was determined I was going to do a Christmas in July, some kind of promotion, because I have very few travelers in December and January. It tapers through, you know, in November and it kicks back up a little bit in February. I'm trying to, I was trying to find my way to a stable commission check every month. Instead of Christmas in July, I said, we're going to reboot the year. It's going to be 2020 version 2.0. And so they got a cute little picture of me when I was traveling. And on the back, I sent four more pictures that I said, you know what, just be well, let's have a good time. Let's just get on this new version of 2020. Um, This is the 15th year that I've been in business. I sent out a 15th anniversary, thank you for sticking with me card just about two weeks ago. And and then social media, I've really worked with some weeks that are themes with my new ideas uh, on um, post-COVID travel. You know, just, just trying to remember, get them to remember me when the time is right for them to do something. Just trying to stay in front of them in a lot of different ways. Again, just letting them know the lights are on. That's really, really crucial. One of the things I've seen way too many travel professionals do is just to go silent. And honestly, this is the time when you can best be heard. Yeah, I was on a webinar, you know, one of the endless webinars that I'm sure we've all done. And one of the things they said about marketing, quote unquote, at this point in time, don't think you have to retreat. Go ahead and and be somebody's inspiration. Be the inspiration for that next trip. Put Plant the seed. You know, you don't have to market anything, right. but don't retreat, inspire. Good point. I mean, the messaging changes, right? The messaging has to change up a bit, but you need to reach out and touch the client. We don't want to come across as a hard sell right now, certainly, but you need to just let them know you're there. Staying top of mind because someday this will be over. And you're going to be the one that your clients are going to remember if you've been messaging them correctly during that period of time. Right. So our next topic may be a little more difficult. Let's think about how we've been looking and reevaluating our client list on the one hand and how we've been rethinking our supplier list on the other. How have the events of the last five months influenced the way you think about particular clients that you've been working with or particular suppliers that you've had to work with as things mutated during the time of COVID? 
Anyone want to tackle that one? Shelly, how about you? My client list uh, is, uh, is pretty much staying the same. If they were impatient or unreasonable with refunds, I've kind of put them as inactive because I don't want to market to people that are that are uh, that were not sympathetic and, and understanding during this time. Uh, but for the most part, I, I I'm not changing the way I do business. I'm just waiting for it to to get going again. Um, the supplier list has definitely changed. I am working with suppliers that are. Um, Easy to work with, easy to make changes because I am still booking for 2020 right now. I have clients leaving this weekend, next week, um, several honeymoons traveling before the end of the year. And uh, I am making sure that anybody that's traveling now all the way up until about June 2021 are with some of the more um, the suppliers that have been easier to work with and have uh, unrestricted cancel policies. That's super important right now. Uh, some of them are, are have shown that... Um, they would charge fees during this time to cancel, um, even if it's just a hotel reservation when the hotel is not charging a fee. So I'm making sure I'm not working with those kind of suppliers. I'm making sure that they're following the hotel's uh, cancel policy. Uh, airlines are about to start running out of their waivers, I think, for new reservations. So uh, I haven't stayed up to date on every airline, but I, I am noticing that there's some that are not in place for Hawaii, which is still very much affected. So uh working with uh, suppliers that are easy to change and cancel and offer a good cancellation waiver is super important right now. How about your suppliers? Are your suppliers doing a good enough job of communicating with you? Are you hearing enough from them? One thing that I've picked up from talking with some travel professionals is they don't feel that they're hearing enough from their suppliers, that their suppliers have gone quiet and that they find that quietness a bit troubling. I, I think that the suppliers are overwhelmed. I mean, we have to keep in mind, they've had to furlough so many people. Um, they're still doing a lot of refunds. They're trying to catch up. But I'm, I'm very sympathetic to the supplier side of this. I, I'm hearing that some of them are slow-paying commissions and uh, not giving out the information. This information changes every single day. Uh, I've got somebody that I've got a, a, a new client consultation at two o'clock this afternoon and she's in a different state. I don't know the policy from her traveling from Indiana and if she's got regulations of traveling to certain states and destinations. So um, I, I'm going to have to figure that out. <laughs> so I can't imagine a supplier having to figure those kind of things out as well. Mine, the ones I'm working with have been fantastic. I've got one in my inbox right now uh, from a supplier who's notifying me that um uh, her trip to Costa Rica is uh, limited because they know that she's leaving from Dallas and Texas is not one of their approved states that you can travel from the U.S. to enter into Costa Rica. So um, the suppliers I'm working with are being fantastic. But again, the suppliers I worked with in 2019 are a little different than the 2020 suppliers. So I did kind of shift to a different supplier, a, a few different preferred suppliers when this all started. So Melissa, how about you? Are you hearing enough from your suppliers? Are you getting the information you need to plan ahead? We are. And I think a lot of us in Travel Chicks have truthfully felt overwhelmed because the amount of emails that come in and trying to stay on top of, you know, this cruise and that cruise and 
the other 10 cruises and then the tour operators, it's, it's, it's been a little difficult to stay on top. But as far as refunds go, we have been quite shocked with passengers that we have had to refund with some of our top travel suppliers where our clients returned home prior to COVID breaking out and we still have not seen returns or refunds back to the client's cards, which has put a really uh, discouraging taste in our mouth. Well, unfortunately, that has not been an uncommon story. Uh, We are hearing that with some regularity. So one thing I have noted in the past few months is the way travel professionals are supporting each other. There are forums that have opened up Uh, online just for the purpose of supporting each other during this time period. And then, of course, there are the larger travel agent forums on Facebook. Are you guys participating in any online travel agency groups? How about you, Loretta? Um, A lot of Facebook travel agency groups, maybe. Uh, Just, um, and I can't even remember, I couldn't begin to tell you the names of all of them. It's just that it, it, it fills up my news feed and it keeps me engaged with what other other agents are doing, what they're going through with their suppliers or their clients or uh, a a news bulletin that, that, you know, maybe we haven't heard yet. Situations even like this, what have you been doing with your time? You know, or how do we do this now? How can I, when I, you know, when it's time to really get going again, what are we going to do different? So all those forums um, but like I said, primarily on Facebook, uh, there's a lot of information out there shared and some of it's just fun or aggravating or whatever, but uh, it, there's just, there's a lot of stuff going on out there that uh, agents can tap into. I think it's been really encouraging to see the number of agents who are stepping forward and reaching out to each other, to, to other agents to say, just let me help you. Let me support you. You're not alone in this. They're telling each other that what they're all experiencing has a commonality to it. And I think that's really important. I believe that nobody should feel alone as you work through all of the really complex issues that the COVID situation has imposed on us. What about you, Natasha? Are you participating online? Like Loretta said, just groups and stuff and reaching out to agents, and especially the ones that are new, because coming in is like, you know, a couple of the agents in our group, they would be like, okay, I just started my business and then this happened. What am I going to do? And everything like that. So we've just been telling them now is the time that you need to study, you know, study your craft, know what you want, you know, and just keep encouraging them to let them know things is going to get better. And even if you just got to book something simple for yourself for a hotel or something like that, but we just keep encouraging them to let them know, know not to give up. Because it it will get better, but right now we just have to, you know, just stay strong and stick together. So, Melissa, how about you? What what groups have you been participating in? How have you seen agents supporting each other? So I've participated in a few different ways. Like I shared earlier, I've I've actually run mastermind six week mastermind programs specifically for travel agents to learn how do you stay engaged, how do you market yourself, how do you build your brand during the the crisis that we're in. 
But in Canada, there is also a few travel agents who formed a group called Canadian Independent Travel Advisors. And what these ladies have done is enrolled other travel agents to start reaching out to their local members of parliament. And so I started doing this because obviously many independent contractors are working solely based on 100% commission, which is really tough, especially if nobody is booking travel. So it's been kind of cool because I've been participating on these Zoom calls, not in my local riding, um, in, in ridings all across Canada, where we're speaking to the members of parliament saying, look, look at what has happened in the travel and tourism industry. This is, we're bringing awareness to the MPs to reconsider the, I don't know what it's like in the US, but in Canada, they were giving out $2,000 checks um, for six months. And so now we've been reaching out to the MPs for them to reconsider including independent travel contractors when it comes to the the six week protocol of the checks being run out. So it's been very interesting. Okay, I want to talk to you just a little bit about any traveling you might have done. I mean, one of the truly ironic features of this is we're talking about the travel industry and we've all been told to stay put. Well, our passion is all about moving around. So what travels have you done? And tell us a little bit about the protocols you saw being utilized by suppliers. Loretta, you traveled to Orlando, right? We did. My husband and I took maybe four days and hopped in the car just because, not for any lack of desire to to, um take a flight just because it was the thing to do at the moment. We planned this trip with about two weeks notice just to hop in the car, go to Orlando, hang out at um, uh, a condo that we, that we can share down there. Uh, We're members of Hilton Grand Vacations or owners in Hilton Grand Vacations. So they've got some, some nice condo properties. And all I wanted was to be able to sit by the pool for three or four days. It's the pool that's not, you know, down the street in my neighborhood where the kids bother me and, and just get away because we had not gotten away. You know, we're like everybody else. We missed our big vacation this year uh, because of COVID and we're just twiddling our thumbs waiting for something to change. You know, the resort was, I know they were working under Reduced occupancy, I don't know at what level, but I'll tell you there were never more than two other people in the pool with me at the same time. You know, you you could go anywhere you want. You could be in the big pool, you could be in the quiet pool, it didn't matter. We took a day, on the spur of the moment, we decided if we might want to um, try to go to Disney for a day. And just, just to get the feel for how it was down there right now, you know, with the reservation system and uh, the mandatory reservation system uh, and wearing the masks in 100 degrees and 90% humidity uh, running around there um, in Florida. But it, it went very well. We went to Hollywood Studios. We didn't do Magic Kingdom because there were some things there that we hadn't seen in the last couple of years. Um, but it, the parks were very empty. That's, you know, Disney's not meant to function at 25% occupancy, um, uh, it's, which was, uh, from my side, a little disheartening. I understood the idea. I, I know that they just need to be open. You know, they, they're just trying to be open and follow all the good rules. And it was great. They're hand-washing stations everywhere, hand sanitizer everywhere. 
lines spaced out, but when you don't have that many people there, what lines? You know, it is walk on to every ride we tried to get on. So it, it, it was good. You know, the, the road trip was fun, but it reminded my husband why we always fly. <laughs> <laughs> I get that too. It's about seven hours from where we live in North Georgia. It's just long enough to be a tedious drive, you know, where you wish you, you had not driven. Natasha, you ended up in Arizona, I believe, taking your son to school, right? Yes. Um, my youngest one um, just graduated high school, so he's going to school in uh, Arizona. So I took him down, um, you know, Flights and stuff, extra precautions. Everybody has to have their mask on going on the flights. Um, have hand sanitizers and stuff that you can get um, on the flight or even before you board. Um, get into Arizona, checking into the hotel. They have hand sanitizer. You cannot come into the hotel lobby without a mask on. If you don't have one, they will give you one before you even, you know, talk to the attendant and they have their glass up and stuff like that. Um, so it was really good. And I know, um, like Loretta said, the hotel wasn't packed, but I can't be, um, remember how, how full it was. But it was great, you know, even being down there. And every store, because, you know, I went and took my son shopping to get some stuff for his dorms and stuff. Every store is also mandatory that you have a mask on. So it was, you know, a lot of people said, don't travel, don't do this. But... You can still travel. You just got to be safe. You know, wear your mask, do what is asked of you, and just continue to be safe and keep that six feet. Your flight was uneventful, I hope. Yeah, the flight was good. The flight was good. So, and then, you know, my next, uh, last trip that I had uh, a couple of weeks ago, right here in, in, um, in Alaska at the, the Denali Bluff. That was great because when you get in, they give you a little welcome little packet. It has some hand sanitizer in there and some Kleenex and a mask. So even the hotels are taking, you know, precautions and stuff. And when you check in, unless you need extra stuff, they are not coming to clean your room like how they normally do. So in Arizona was the same way and in Alaska. So if you need something, you have to call the front desk. And they will come and bring it for you, but they are not cleaning as how they normally would, you know, unless you want them to clean in um, Arizona. The third day, the um, they were supposed to come and clean your room if you want them to. But I was there with my boys, so I tell them, I said, don't worry about it. I'll just continue to clean up the room while me and my son was there. But, you know, I think all the hotels and, you know, everybody's just taking extra precaution to make sure that everybody is safe. And if you need anything, you know, health-wise, they will be there to help you out. So I really like it. Shelly, I understand you ended up in Mexico. Tell us about that. What were the protocols like? What was the experience of going to Mexico like? I did. I uh, I didn't plan on vacationing during a pandemic. It was something that I, um, I in the beginning, I, I was kind of hesitant to travel for health reasons. Uh, it, July 2nd, I saw a great deal for July 28th, and I just booked it. I, I, I told my husband I felt like mentally it would be a great break from everything. Um, I started seeing other travel agents travel to Mexico, and uh, I, I felt like it was the right time, and, and, and I do not regret it at all. I, uh, the airports are doing a fantastic job. I have pictures of, of a guy in a complete hazmat suit 
walking around sanitizing all the chairs at the Cancun airport. Upon arrival, the uh, uh, I was with Lomas Travel, and they greeted us wearing, wearing their masks, uh, took us to our transportation. There, I actually, <laughs> I didn't know I would be so emotional on my first trip uh, since uh, November was the last time I traveled. And I didn't know I'd be so emotional. I cried when we got to our transportation just because the warm welcome with the Mexican hospitality that they gave us was just, it was overwhelming. I had no idea I would be, I, I, it, it was traumatizing when this all started. So I really didn't expect to be um, so taken back emotionally by my arrival. But it, the, the Mexican hospitality, they are so happy and welcome. Uh, they are welcoming you with open arms, except for not hugging. <laughs> just open arms and distance. Uh, but uh, when we drove into our resort, I thought something that was strange is they sanitized the car tires of the vehicle we were driving in. I mean, they actually sprayed down every vehicle tire. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to extreme measures to keep the tourists safe. Uh, when we walked into the property, we still had our mask on. Uh, all of the, the people in the lobby in the public areas were wearing masks. Uh, all of the employees are wearing masks. But uh, once you got onto the property, it was only 26% occupancy while I was there at Unico 2087. And um, there's social distancing is easy to do at that property. It's pretty good and spread out. So uh, even while you were in the swimming pool, people are standing six to eight feet away from each other. I met other travel agents while I was down there, and most of them were standing apart unless you were traveling with that particular group. So um, the restaurants are doing a fantastic job. Uh, several restaurants are open. They are doing uh, the QR codes for the menus. So they're not passing menus back and forth. Uh, they're really trying to do a touchless program on property. And I think they're doing a fantastic job with it. Uh, the You don't have to have maid service. Like Natasha said, it's not something that they uh, force on you. If you want it, that's fine. If you don't, you can tell them that you don't want someone coming in your room every day. But overall, we had a wonderful experience. We took two friends with us who had a great time as well. And since then, I've been to Colorado and uh, just seeing the difference between the two. I've been to Colorado and Mexico in the last two months. And I will tell you, Mexico is doing a fantastic job. I, I love the United States, but I really think we could do a little bit better, kind of like what they're doing. I, I just noticed a, a difference between Colorado and Mexico on um, uh, the safety protocols. Yes, and, and speaking to other travel professionals who have been, say, to Mexico or the Dominican Republic, I'm hearing almost universally that the precautions and the new protocols are really taking hold, that they're much appreciated, and that many of them will become permanent features post-COVID, that this is a new way of doing things at resorts that you will probably see implemented as standard operating procedure. Okay, and finally, does anybody have any travel planned? What's the next trip you're going to take? What do you want to be posting on Facebook the moment travel is open back up to us? Loretta? If the majority of Europe would open up, I'd be on a plane next week, no questions asked. That is what I hope will happen. But I'll tell you what, there's a... Um, Tuscany Buyers Convention, for lack of a better word, here on the spur of the moment that I'm hoping I can get to in October. 
that includes a, a three or four day fam at the end of the business to business portion of it. There is another um, buyer to buyer thing for similarly for Poland in November that I'm committed. I have the plane ticket. They just have to let us go uh, with, again, with a fam um, for three or four days after that, that uh, three other travel agents and I have kind of teamed up and decided that we're going to go and looking forward to it. You know, beyond that, I have an actual trip scheduled in April of next year, the one that was canceled on me this year because of COVID. We were supposed to take a tulip time Dutch Waterways uh, River cruise. Oh, uh, leaving out, out of Amsterdam. So that's my light at the end of the tunnel. But if something opens up sooner, I'm gone. I'm gone. You know, and I'll post pictures every day and, and say, you know, this is, this is working. Y'all need to come. Well, we'll be looking for those pictures then. Shelly, how about you? I have a couple of trips scheduled right now. I'm going to Cabo in October for a women leaders of travel event and I'm planning to do a lot of site inspections. I'm planning to schedule maybe three or four days before that to uh, pop in and see a lot of the new hotels in Las Cabas. I, I also have a conference that was scheduled in April for uh, Dominican Republic and it got moved to next April of April of 2021. So I'll be going, those are both already scheduled trips. If things opened up for Europe, uh, I, I hope to be able to grab onto some low priced airfare and get to Italy, but I'm not holding my breath right now on <laughs> Europe. So uh, I, I can't wait, though. I, I cannot wait for Europe to open up. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely long overdue. Natasha, when's your next trip? I have a travel conference in Cancun in February. I have a family and friends cruise that is scheduled for May. And then I will be accompanied in one of my friends who's celebrating her 20th anniversary in Jamaica in July. So those are the three that I have scheduled for next year so far. That I'm planning and praying that everything goes good so I can attend all three. Well, you know that we join you in hoping you get to do that. Melissa, where is your next trip? Uh, well, my next trip is, uh, it's, I'm, I'm actually going to be taking my little mini me on probably a two to four week trip in Mexico in Puerto Vallarta. Uh, we've started building quite a community down there and I actually want to, uh, mix and mingle with local tour operators that have been reaching out to us uh, very consistently. And so we want to start trying to create partnerships down there with them. And Jamaica, I've really loved watching what Jamaica Tourism Board has been doing and keeping their agents engaged. And Jamaica is one of my favorite places in the Caribbean. And it's like, I just, I haven't booked anything yet, but every single day my kid wakes up, mommy, are we going on a plane today? Mom. (laughs) all right so so you so you've uh she's got a little bit of the the travel bug too huh oh my gosh yeah most four-year-olds are talking about you know going to play at the park and my kids like when are we taking a next plane (laughs) like when can we go to the beach well certainly the opportunity to raise our children in the context of this industry is one of its great gifts traveling seeing the world being exposed to other cultures is an absolutely invaluable gift we give to our children through this industry. 
one of the reasons we're so passionate about it. All right, folks, thank you so much for attending. It really has been great having you here, listening to the ways that you've maintained some semblance of productivity during the COVID standstill. I want everyone to take good care of themselves, protect yourself, and know that you're not in this alone. We're all going to get through it together. Be sure to subscribe to TRO Signal at your favorite podcast directory. And many thanks for listening. Goodbye, folks. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Absolutely. Bye, ladies.